Hey, uh, if you have known me for a little bit, you're about to learn something about me that I doubt you know. And if this is your very first time here with us this morning, you are about to have a very awkward introduction with me, okay? My name is Dan. I'm the lead pastor here at Connect, and I am going to put a picture up on the screen that I hope doesn't make you think any differently about me. Are we ready for it? Go ahead. Let's put it up there. Those are my feet. I have a deformed left foot, truly. This foot right here, you can see it there on the screen. I only have four toes on that foot. Now, I wasn't born that way. I was actually born with a fully functioning, normal, beautiful foot. So like when, you know, I was born and mom and dad were like, oh, does he have all of his fingers and toes? The doctors were like, yes, he does. Fast forward 20 years, and I was lifting a really heavy piece of metal, and I dropped it, and it landed on my left foot. Now, I was stupid. I was only wearing a pair of tennis shoes, okay? These, these Converse shoes I'm wearing right now, they probably would have given me better protection than the joggers that I had on at the moment. And so when that heavy piece of metal slammed into my foot, it actually severed my three middle toes. Now, when it hit, I knew something had happened, okay? I'm not ashamed to admit that I cried a lot. I mean, a lot, a lot. Probably more than ever in my entire life, I cried. But I didn't know how extensive the damage was. You see, it was inside of my shoe. And so as soon as that heavy piece of metal dropped on my foot, I could tell that I had broken some toes, but my foot started swelling up. And I thought, oh my goodness, I better take off my shoe. So, you know, if I go to the hospital, they don't have to cut it out with the jaws of life or something like that. And so I took off my shoe and there was a lot of blood. Now, I'm not going to go into detail. I'm not going to show you any pictures. The pictures do exist, by the way. I'm not going to show them to you, so don't freak out if you get squeamish. We're not going there, okay? But I got to tell you one part. And so if you get a little weirded out by medical stuff, you can plug your ears, and I'll tell you when I'm done, okay? So I didn't know how bad the damage was. I knew I needed to go to the hospital. I was working for a church at the time, and so the pastor was like, ah, oh, Daniel, you know, you probably broke a couple toes. Just go home, take some Advil, you'll be good to go. And I was like, no, Jimmy, I think I need to go to the hospital. And so he loads me in the back of his uh, station wagon. He drives me down to the hospital. And when I get onto a gurney, the nurse comes along, and I've got my socks on, and my toes are up like this, you know, out on the bed like so, and she comes around with a pair of scissors, and she cuts along the toe seam of my sock. Now, again, I had no idea what was about to happen. As soon as she cut that and peeled away the sock, my three center toes fell off on the gurney and started rolling, and I lost my mind. I lost my mind. The nurse runs across the room to me and covers my eyes. And she's like, sweetie, it's going to be okay. Don't look at that. Don't look at that. And I'm like, how can I not look? It was terrible. Three surgeries later, one of my little piggies didn't make it. They attached all three. Two of them got healthy again. And you can see they're looking great. One of them refused. And so they had to go back in and amputate the toe that I had already amputated, but they reattached. It was, it was a mess. It took weeks and months of recovery. And uh, the truth is, you know, it still impacts me 
to this day. Like just one little toe being missing actually makes a bit of a difference. My balance isn't quite as good as it used to be. Seriously, every once in a while it happens every so often here on stage. You think I'm drunk, but in reality I don't have a toe. And so sometimes I'll just take a step and I'm like, whoa, now you know why. It's not half as bad as you thought. Um, It's the second toe on my left foot, which, you know, if you uh, equate this to your hands, that's your pointer finger, right? So that's my pointer toe. So I can't really point quite as well as I used to. It's just not the same as it was. I kind of wish I could point a little bit better, but you know, whatever. And my career is over as a foot model, you guys. I had a very promising career before I entered ministry. People used to tell me all the time, Daniel, you have gorgeous feet. And I said, I know. That was the part that I showed to girls when I wanted to go on a date. I'm like, hey, babe, check this out. It's what I did, but it's over now. Nobody wants to look at that. In fact, we could probably take it off the screen now if we really wanted to. I mean, you probably don't want to see that forever. I will tell you, I do get a 10% discount on pedicures. That's no lie. I've gone into a pedicure shop, showed them and asked them, and they were like, sure, why not? So I've never gotten a pedicure, but if I did, I could. Now, here's the thing. You've got 10 fingers, you've got 10 toes, and in truth, you would think, ah, you know what, I could probably live without one of them, and it wouldn't be that big of a deal. And you're right, it really wouldn't be that big of a deal. It does create some awkward moments, but you can survive. So sometimes when I'm wearing like sandals out at a restaurant, and I'm just sitting there, and I see the person at the table looking over, they're kind of staring. Sometimes I can see them doing mental math, counting the piggies, and I just put it out there a little further so they can count. You know, it's no big deal to me. The worst moment. Oh gosh, I don't even know if I should tell this one. Okay, I was at a breakfast place and there was a guy there who had, uh, he was missing a leg. And so he had an artificial leg. It was one of those that was like metal, you know, it's like a metal bar. So it's clear that he was missing his leg. And so I started chatting with him about it. You know, hey, what happened to your leg? If you don't mind me asking. And honestly, most amputees, which is what we are, we, we really don't mind telling you about it, right? It's obvious. And so if you ask, almost everybody will tell you what's going on. And so I started asking this guy and he tells me, oh, you know, he was an older gentleman. He said, I was in the Vietnam War and I actually lost it in the war. And I was like, wow, that's incredible. Tell me the story. So he tells me the whole thing. And then he gets done. And I don't know what came over me, but I said, man, I know how you feel. I I legitimately did this. I said, I lost one of my toes about seven years ago. And as soon as I said those words, I realized I was done for. I had made a terrible mistake. Luckily, he was a gracious man. He was very kind to me, but like, they're not the same, okay? Not the same thing at all. When I fill out life insurance applications, they always, you go through the medical questionnaire and they ask, are you an amputee? And I always have to check yes, because technically I am. And the person who's taking the form is like, and then I got to take off my shoe and show that to him, you know. I'm not going to show you this morning. You already saw it. Don't ask me to take off my shoes. My feet are sweaty. You don't want to see it anyway. All right. It's enough about my foot. But here's the thing. I get along just fine without that toe. It affects me a little bit here and there, but you know, it's not really that big of a deal. I'm able to function. And the truth is you've known me, some of you for a year or two years now, and you never knew that about me. I'm able to mask it just fine. This might surprise you to hear, but one of the authors of the Bible 
actually uses this metaphor, this word picture of a human body that's missing some of its parts. He uses this word picture to describe what church should actually be like. As we're going to see in the book of 1 Corinthians this morning, he takes the human body and he says, I want you to imagine a human body with all of its parts. And then I want you to think about a human body who's missing some key or some critical components. And then he draws some parallels, some analogies between our physical bodies and what he calls the spiritual body of Jesus Christ. Now, if you are a a longtime follower of Jesus, you'd consider yourself a Christian, you've been around Connect for a long time, I think that this particular passage is going to help you to understand who we are supposed to be as a church. If you're here this morning and this is all brand new and you're like, what? I was not expecting this guy to show a picture of his foot the first time I walked in the door at church. I think this will help you to understand who the church hopes to be. We don't always live up to this. We're not always perfect at it, but this is what we are called to be, okay? True believer, total skeptic. I think you're going to find this passage really, really interesting. So let's get to it. 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. We're going to start reading in verse 12. You can follow along. Every verse is here on the screen. If you have a copy of the Bible, you can read along there. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. All of them say pretty much the same thing. Here we go. In verse 12, a guy named the Apostle Paul is writing. And Paul says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. So there's a parallel. He's going to be talking about your physical body, and then he's going to make spiritual application to who we are supposed to be as the church, the body of Jesus. He says, some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some of us are slaves, and some of us are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share this same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Can you imagine that giant eyeball rolling around? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one giant part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts that we regard as less honorable, that's less presentable, less public is really what it means. The parts that we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity or are less able to be exposed publicly. This makes for harmony among the members of the body so that all members care for each other. If one part of the body suffers, all parts of the body suffer with it. And if one part is honored, then all parts are glad. All of you together 
are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Hey, that's a long passage, and there's a lot to digest in there. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to walk through a couple of sections this morning. I'm going to pull out some things for you, and hopefully you'll better understand why we gather on Sunday mornings and what we're supposed to do when we gather on Sunday mornings, all right? Let me point out something from this very first verse here, verse number 12. We'll put it back on the screen for you. Paul says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one body. So this human body that has many parts that make up one big united body. It actually is a picture of the church, of who we are. Lots of individual people coming together under the name, under the headship of Jesus to create something bigger and better and more beautiful than any of us could accomplish on our own. The body is a picture of the body. Now, this is a super important picture because most people only think of the church in terms of an organization, don't they? When most people think about the church, they think about the religious organization. They think about the building that the church meets in. They think about the budgets that the church operates with. They think about the bylaws that govern the church on a day-to-day basis. But I want you to understand none of those things actually make the church the church. We were at the food truck rally this last week, and uh, you know it was awesome. We had a fantastic time. We estimate about 4,000 people came out from Evanston. It was so cool to meet our neighbors. Uh, maybe some of you guys, actually, that was the first time you heard about us. Really, really great time. I had six or seven different people at the food truck rally come up to me and say, hey, where does your church meet? Where is your church located? And the, the theologian in me wanted to say, do you see all these blue shirts around? there's our church. Because the church is not the building. The church is the people. We could put it like this. The church is not an organization. The church is an organism. It is alive. It is moving. It is growing. It is reproducing. The church is not an organization. It is a body. It is a living thing that represents Jesus to the world. This is why we can meet in a movie theater, because it doesn't matter what building we meet in. All that's required for church to happen is me and you, and you don't even need me. It just takes you guys. All we need are people, because people are what make up the body. If you've ever thought about church only in terms of the organization only in terms of like the, the big, slow-moving, you know, behemoth of structure and, and power and all of those things, you've completely misunderstood what the New Testament has to say about the church, which is an organic, living, breathing body of people who represent Jesus. The church, Connect Church, and every other church, if they're operating biblically, is not an organization. It is in organism. Just as your body has one, uh, just as your body has many parts and it creates one body, so it is with the church, the body of Jesus Christ. Now look what Paul says in the next verse, verse number 13. He says something really key that gets lost on you and I, okay? We don't understand this because of the world that we live in, but in Paul's day, this would have been an absolutely revolutionary statement. Look at what he says. He says about those who are a part of that body, that organism, He says, some of us are Jews, like Jewish people, 
culturally, religiously, ethnically, they were Jewish. And some of us are Gentiles. If you don't know what the word Gentile means, it means not Jewish. You're either Jewish or you're Gentile. So uh, if you're not Jewish today, you're Gentile. I'm a Gentile. I may come from this part of the world, but because I'm not Jewish, I am classified in this verse as a Gentile. Some of us are Jews. Some of us are Gentiles. Paul says, some of us are slaves and some of us are free. Now in Paul's day, slavery was a common thing. That's just how the world operated. Not a good thing. It's not approved of by God or by Christ, but that was the reality of the world they lived in. And although this verse was written in a day when people, religions said you had to fit a certain mold in order to be a part of the organization, right? In order to to be a part of the Jewish church, you had to belong to the Jewish family. Ethnically, you could only be from one background if you wanted to belong to their group. There was a pagan temple. It's called the Temple of Artemis. It pops up a few different times in the New Testament. It's like a Greek pagan god that they worshiped back in the day. And in order to worship, in order, rather, in order to become a, a, a leader within that pagan temple, you had to be a woman. No men allowed, right? It was the He-Man Woman Haters Club or backwards, whatever it was, right? Like no men allowed whatsoever. They said you can only be a part if you fit this mold. Now the truth is there are lots of religions today that teach the exact same thing. There are faiths in our city that say if you're not a man, you can't really belong here. There are faiths in our world today that say if you're not wealthy enough to pay this fee to go to the next level and get clear and all these different things, then you can't belong. And Paul says something so incredibly revolutionary, something that had the power to transform the course of history. He said, in Jesus, every single person has a place within the body. Everybody, it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. It doesn't matter if you're young or you're old. It doesn't matter if you're Middle Easterner or you're white. It doesn't matter. Everybody is welcome in the body of Christ. Everybody is equal because of Jesus. Do you understand? There is no difference between you and me. You say, oh, well, Dan, you're a pastor and you've been ordained and you've gone to seminary and all that stuff. And you say, I'm just me. I'm a nobody, right? I'm like a a construction worker. What do I have? I'm not anybody special. Guess what? Neither am I. There is no difference in the body of Christ, in the organism that is the church of Jesus. There is no difference between the people who sit in the pews and the people who stand on stage. You and I could switch places. It would be totally okay. Because Jesus makes it possible for every single one of us to become a part of his body. Listen, if you've ever been a part of a church or if you've ever gotten the inclination from a church that certain people don't belong, I'll say with all respect in the world, they weren't operating according to the New Testament. Because the the scripture says, some of us used to be this and others were the exact opposite and it doesn't matter. We have all been baptized together into one body where women are the same as men, where every race and language and background is welcome, where every single person can find a home and find the grace of God through the body, through the organism, through the living church of Jesus. Now, that means that every single person 
has a unique role to play. If everybody is somebody in the body, that means that every body part has a contribution to make. You, 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 I'm talking to you, you, you have a contribution to make here at the church. Now, I want to be careful because some of you guys are like, here he goes. He's about to ask for my money. I'm not talking about money. I don't want your money. I don't need your money. Jesus doesn't need your money. Here's what we need. We need people who will act and fulfill the role that God has given them. So if we continue with this body metaphor, that means some of you guys are hands and feet. And you need to take your role as hands and feet in the body of Christ. Hey, if it's not connect, if you're like, dude, I'm not digging the lights, that doesn't work for me, cool, go find a church that does it better. It's cool with me. I'm not gonna be mad. The point is that you figure out how you've been wired, how God has created you, and then you get plugged into the body. In the next few verses, Paul kind of, he lays out what we typically do when we hear something like that. We typically... We come up with like an inferiority complex or we come up with a superiority complex. So you hear me saying to you, you have a contribution to make here to the body of believers or to the body of believers somewhere. You have a part to play, a role to play within the body of Christ. And you'll either say, no, I don't. I don't have anything to offer. Or you'll say, about time. They need me. I've seen all kinds of problems around this church. It's about time somebody asked what I think. And both of those are extreme Both of those are the wrong attitude to have. Let me show you what Paul says here. Well, let's read this section. Uh, We'll start here in verse number 14. Yes, a body has many different parts, not just one part. If a foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I am not a hand. That is, I don't do what he does or what she does. I didn't go to seminary. I don't speak in front of people. I don't have answers. So I don't really know what I have that I could contribute. Paul says, if uh, a foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that doesn't make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would it make it any less a part of the body? Of course not. If the whole body were an eye, then how would you hear? If the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts and God has put them where he wants. He says how strange a body would be if it only had somebody standing on stage. What if I just came up here by myself? I didn't hook up microphones. I didn't put up any lighting so you could actually see what was going on. What if I didn't make you any coffee? What if I just showed up myself and I started talking and hope somebody showed up? Wouldn't work really well because the body cannot function if there's only one part. What if only somebody showed up and made coffee and the lobby was still locked and once you had coffee, you're like, well, this is awkward, I'm gonna take off, right? Like we have got to have multiple parts of the body coming together to represent, to fulfill the body of Jesus. It can't be one person. It can't be one gifting. You're sitting there saying, I've got nothing to offer and Jesus says, I created you to be a part of the body. I've given you gifts. I've given you abilities. You may not have discovered them yet, but I'm telling you, they exist within you. The first time I ever went to church, do you think if somebody walked up to me and said, Dan, one day you're gonna stand on stage and you're gonna teach people the word of God. I said, the word of God? I never heard that statement before in my life. What the heck is that? I would have had no clue what they were talking about. But there was something that God had placed inside of me that I didn't even know was there. I wonder what God has placed inside of you that you don't even know is there yet. And you're gonna hang out for a few months And we're going to be around you and we're going to see something in you. 
And I'm gonna say, listen, God's given you a gift. You don't even realize it, but we see it and we wanna draw it out of you because our body needs you. If you continue to say, no, I don't have anything to offer, guess what? You'll never have anything to offer. Paul goes on. He says, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the hand can never say to the feet, I don't need you. See, the thing is that the parts of the body They only find their purpose within the whole. I've got to have a team around me. We've got to have a body gathered around each other or this thing doesn't work. It doesn't happen. It won't be fulfilling. It'll be a hollow shell of what it could be. You've been in some of those churches. And God calls us to something better, something deeper. It is silly to think that you don't have anything to offer the body. A hand needs a foot to carry it around, even a a mangled foot. A a heart needs a rib to protect it, or it'll get injured and it will die. We need each other. Trust me, if there's even a small part that's missing, it affects the rest of the body. Hey, can I just be honest for one sec with you guys? And I'm not here to give you a guilt trip. I'm not here to beat you up. I'm actually here to inspire you to step into the God-given role that, that he's laid out for you. Our church walks with a limp because you have chosen to come in every single Sunday morning to sit and observe and never participate. Look, if this is your first time here, I'm not talking to you guys, okay? If you're just checking this whole Jesus thing out, by all means, take your time. Give us an opportunity to prove ourselves to you. But if you've been here since last September and all you do is you come in, you sit down, you observe, maybe you smile and laugh every once in a while, and then you roll on out as, immediately as soon as the service is over. Can I encourage you to take your next step to go from merely observing to start participating, to take your role in the body to fulfill the destiny that God has given you within this theater or in theater number three or seven or in the lobby or at your workplace or wherever it might be. Like, I'm glad you're here. Guys, don't misunderstand. I am super glad you're here. Again, I can't preach to an empty room, okay? But God didn't create you to come and sit and observe. Do you understand? This is not a show. It's not a show. These musicians are not up here because they're like, I couldn't make it in the real rock star world, so I'm going to do it in the church. (laughs) They are using the gifts that God has given them to bless and serve people who are seeking God. Okay. Some of you have those gifts inside of you and you are sitting on them. I'm not going to say that you're a drag on our organization because our, our organism, it's, we're not big enough yet, okay? We haven't filled all the seats, but here's the truth. You're taking up parking spaces, you're drinking up all my coffee, and you have gifts that you could use. You could bless and serve the people that sit here Sunday after Sunday trying to find meaning and purpose in their life, and you continue to say, well, I don't have anything to offer. I'm a nobody. We will help you discover who God created you to be. We do next steps every single Sunday. Today, next steps is happening immediately after this service. Right out in the lobby, in our party room, we invite anybody who wants to learn a little bit more about Connect and to figure out how you could get plugged in to be a part. It's a 30-minute class. It's not like it takes a long time. And then we can all go out to eat together at the food court if you want, or you can go home and take a nap, whatever your preference is, okay? 
We do this every single week. And today is step two. Step two is like the best of the three steps that we do. Why? Because step two is all about you. When you go to next steps today, you're gonna sit down and we're gonna give you a personality profile. You're gonna answer some questions and it's gonna reveal a little bit about how God has wired you. Now understand, this is not like a BuzzFeed quiz where you find out what sort of loaf of bread you are, okay? Like, I got pumpernickel. Um, No, this is like serious. This matters. You're gonna see yourself and you're like, holy cow, I never understood why I do the things I do. And now I recognize it's a part of the way that God has wired me. And that means you have been fit to take your place within the body somehow, somewhere. You're gonna take a spiritual gifts inventory and you're gonna find out that God has blessed you with abilities you didn't even know you had. And then we're gonna say, now, now that you know who you are and now that you have some idea of how you've been designed and worked, what sort of place do you wanna take in the body? Next Steps is an easy pathway for you to get out of the seats and into serving somewhere. So here's what I think. I think today should be the biggest Next Steps class we ever had. That room should be a capacity. It should be overflowing because some of you guys have said, I'll start next month. I'll do it next month. I'll do it next month. And next month has become next month and next month. And it'll continue to be next month until you make the decision, I'm going to take my place within the body. That's what you were created for. That's what you were designed to do. A couple more points and I'm done. promise we're gonna wrap this up quick. He's got one final section here. If you're still like, "Ah, I don't know, Dan, you know, I've got a lot going on and I'm super busy and, you know, I've got it plugged in at my last church and that didn't work out really well. I get all of that. Those are valid things. I'm not saying that you're making up pointless or worthless excuses or any of that. But let me show you one more thing. One more thing that might just help you to say, okay, it's time. I wanna be a part of the body. Continue to read here with me. He goes on and Paul says a bunch of stuff about the weak parts being shown great honor and we don't have time to get into what all that means. So we're gonna jump all the way down to verse number 25. It's there on the screen. He says, all of this makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for one another. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, then all parts are glad. Do you understand that? You will never feel cared for if you only come in and sit and observe and then scoot out as soon as we say the final prayer. Like this movie theater was not designed for you to get to know your neighbor. It was designed for you to sit and stare at a screen. You will never feel cared for. We have people at our church, this happens at nearly every church, people who are like, yeah, I just never got connected. I don't feel like anybody knew my name. And then when the pastor goes to talk to them and we say, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Man, I bet your small group must have been doing a terrible job. And they're like, well, I never really joined a small group. Okay, okay. Tell me, which, which team, which dream team were you a part of? And they're like, well, I didn't really do anything. And I'm like, okay, so what did you do? Well, I came to like four services And you sat in a chair and you watched a show and then you left and you wonder why you didn't feel cared for, connected, or why you didn't experience community. Guys, like, it's okay. You can come and do that if you want to, but don't get mad at us when you don't feel like you're a part of community. By the way, this is not like an angry sermon because I had a phone call this week. Like, this has been planned for months. It had nothing to do with anything that happened. I'm not talking to anybody in particular. I'm just laying out for you the way the body of Christ works, at least the way it should work. You will not feel cared for until you place yourself in community, okay? Then he goes on. 
And he says, all of you together are Christ's body. Each of you has a part in it. The reason that I need you to get plugged in is not because our teams are struggling. They're not. Our teams are amazing. It's not so that we can pump our numbers because honestly, numbers are pretty good. I just don't need it, okay? Here's what we do need. The scripture says that none of us are able to accurately represent or reflect Jesus to the world on our own. All of you together are Christ's body. That means you and I and her and him and them. When we come together and we love and serve one another the way that Jesus calls us to, we then and only then represent Jesus to the folks who show up for the first time and they say, I'm looking for something more in my life. See, there are parts of me that when people look at it, they see Jesus shining through. And then there are other parts There are other times where all people see are my frustrations and impatience and anxiety. And guess what? That doesn't show them Jesus at all. So I need you to be smiling at the front door. We need you to discover that you actually have an aptitude for running the soundboard. We need you so that you can do what God has ordained you. He's designed you. This is the entire reason you came to connect. You didn't realize it, but this is why. So that you could discover your purpose and make a difference. That's the whole reason you came. And if you're not looking to do either one of those things, connect will always feel a bit hollow to you. It'll never be everything it could be because you were created for something much more. So if you've been here a bit, let's go. Jump in. What are you waiting on? Like seriously, what are you waiting on? You will find fulfillment in a way you never imagined when you get plugged in. It's time to make it happen. Now I want to transition for just a couple minutes because some of you might have shown up for the very first time this morning. And you're thinking to yourself, okay, I didn't know what I was walking into. I don't know why I'm here. You've allowed us to take care of some in-house issues this morning, to speak amongst the body, amongst family, amongst brothers and sisters. And so if you showed up, I hope that's not too weird for you, okay? But I want to be really careful that I don't give you the wrong impression about the Christian faith. Because you might actually show up this morning and say, oh gosh, they're talking a whole lot about serving and getting involved and volunteering and doing good works and charity and all that stuff. And you might think to yourself that the Christian faith is primarily about the good that we do. Can I say that that's not the truth? That I used to think the same thing. I thought God liked good people. And if I was good, then God was happy with me. And if I was bad, God was sad with me and sometimes mad. If I just sat in a pew and did nothing, then God was angry. Um, If I never got plugged in or if I decided I'm finally gonna jump in and use some talent or gift, then finally God's like, okay, now I love you. It doesn't work like that. We don't have a relationship with God because of the work that we do. We have a relationship with God because of the work that Jesus did for us. Okay, so you go to the book of Ephesians, chapter number two. I'm gonna put this here on the screen. In Ephesians chapter number two, the Bible says God saved you. He gave you new life. He he started a relationship with you and he did it 
by his grace when you join the portability team. That's all it took. You just had to say, okay, I'll serve. No, it doesn't say that. It says God saved you by his grace when you believed, when you trusted, when you gave your heart to him. He says, you can take credit for this if you show up every single Sunday a month and you work hard. We'll make you dream team of the week, man. We'll, we'll like celebrate you on social media. That'll be proof that you have a relationship with God. No, it doesn't work like that. He says, you can't, you cannot take credit for your salvation, for a relationship with God. It is a gift from God. What do you have to do to earn a gift? Nothing. Be born and people will just give you gifts one day out of the year. You don't do anything to earn a gift. You're given a gift. And our relationship with God, our salvation, our new life, that doesn't come because we serve. It comes because Jesus served. And then I choose to serve because Jesus served. Do you see how this works? I don't work to earn a spiritual paycheck from God. That's not what this is about. You don't earn God's favor. You don't earn God's love any more than your children earn your love for doing the dishes. If they don't do the dishes, you don't stop loving them. If you don't serve on a team, God doesn't stop loving you. But you will never understand just how wonderful it can be to be connected to a larger body if you choose to stay apart from it. We find our new life, our hope, our salvation in God's free gift. And that motivates us to then want to go and serve. Because God served us, we serve others. That's the reason that we make it happen. If you go to 2 Corinthians, this verse says here in, in chapter number five, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. The message of reconciliation is not that you need to serve on a team or you need to volunteer or you need to give money in the bucket so that God can be happy with you. The message of reconciliation is that God loves you as dearly as you love your children. And there is nothing you could do that would make God love you more. And there is nothing you could do that would make God love you any less. Out of that free gift of his love, we're drawn out of ourselves. It stops being about me because I've been redeemed. I've been set free from my selfishness. It's like I've been turned over. I see the world differently. And that makes me wanna love and serve others instead of demanding that other people love and serve me. This is how you become a part of the body of Christ. You allow Jesus to draw you back into a relationship with your heavenly father, and then you allow him to release you into the divine destiny that he created you for. 